show too and go support a bu- and see a bunch of new DJs play because I like oh cool seeing all the fresh young talent. Hell yeah! Even though I like to think of myself as still pretty young, but mm. but you're not. I mean, you haven't guess, hit thirty yet, so yeah. I mean, I guess I'm still kind of young. But like. <laughs> you're only in your third year of your quarter century crisis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on my second. Mm. Let's not get into existential crises right now. Um, <laughs> but that's all I am. Congratulations, you've found volume sixteen of the Rock of Shame podcast, the backlog-busting, deep-diving music podcast where we discover something new every single week. I am your host, the bad boy Bryce Reed. I am joined by the wanted man, Mr. Greg Plord. I'm taken, motherfucker. Oh! Uh, You can be taken and still wanted, I think. (laughs) Creeps. (laughs) <laughs> uh and the music maker himself mr drew peak ja <laughs> ja am i right ja ja bless <laughs> If you're new to the show, let me give you the good news. Each week, these three men of a certain age and sometimes guests select a musical artist or group we've never really listened to, and we spend the whole week immersing ourselves in the art, the culture, and the world of that artist, only to return here the following week and tell you all about it. You can listen along with us, and you can join our Discord community over at tinyurl.com slash rock of shame that's tinyurl.com slash rock of shame where there was conversation all week about our cover artist jimmy cliff this week music is better when you share it and so is this podcast share us on facebook tell your friends tweet us over at rock of shame on twitter and you can watch the show record live every tuesday night over on twitch.tv slash thick boy drewski uh that's the place to be man live shows are fun and when the people are in here talking with us uh it adds so much to what we're doing here man But most importantly for now, just subscribe on any podcast platform that you listen to and listen along with us every week. That's what we're really looking for is just friends to enjoy exploring music with the three of us here. Um, There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to discuss when it comes to new music this week, which is where we usually start the show. I'll go first uh, because uh, I think that'll be the right way to go. Uh, the new uh, DG's uh, Foo Fighters thing came out. It's, of course, a a, a um, record store day week, so a lot of stuff dropped, uh, especially catalog stuff, which is usually the case with record store day. This DG's Foo Fighters thing is kind of interesting. Uh, the first half of the record is Foo Fighters doing Bee Gees and uh, one of the Gibb Brothers uh, covers in sort of Foo Fighters style. So they're Bee Gees songs with these really heavy rock guitars on them. And they're fascinating. Uh, Mostly because the Bee Gees, of course, uh, people know this about the Bee Gees. They're they're sort of... uh, historically this band that are sort of marred by this style that they create or lifted by it, depending on who you ask, right? They're really excellent pop song crafters, but you'll only realize it 
if you can fucking jive with what they're doing stylistically. <laughs> and so it was really cool to hear to hear Foo Fighters kind of mitigate that. What's important to note, though, is that this is still very much done for a laugh, which is uh, uh, an interesting choice because they add these like heavy rock guitars on things. But Dave is still singing in falsetto the whole time, and the drum pattern is still very disco. And so they stop just short of turning these into great rock songs. And what's fascinating about it is it feels like it feels like they know that they can, but they just chose not to because uh, it wouldn't have been as funny. Yeah, that, that was pretty much my experience with this, too. <laughs> uh, I listened to it today at work. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, and so it ends up being slightly heavier versions of BG's tunes that are clearly very much they're they're fucking around. They're having some fun. And that's fine. The second half of the record is bunch of live in studio versions of songs from the last record that they did at studio 606 which is the studio headquarters that they own uh mileage may vary on that i wasn't in love with that album i think the cuts that are on here that are live in studio and therefore fucked around with a little less uh and and have a little less specifically greg kurtzman influence uh are are better for it <laughs> but uh people kind of uh come down different ways when it comes to greg kurtzman's influence on this band i'm not terribly fond of what he's done on the last two records uh and so hearing versions of these songs that don't have his production influence on them for the most part was a boon for me personally uh and my tastes are there still weird backing vocals that probably shouldn't be there yeah yeah you know um <laughs> uh, absolutely uh and are there are there backing vocals in places on songs where you're like how is nobody like these don't work here and need to be removed but i get it he wants his daughter to be involved in his music his daughter doesn't really have any other skills. So so this is this is how he gets her involved and it's fine. Uh but uh but it she's is, gonna hear yeah. this episode miraculously. Oh, she's share gonna it with hard, Dave Grohl and we're gonna die. Yeah, she's <laughs> one of our she's one of our millions of uh of uh listeners every single week. Speaking uh, of one of our listeners, K Bart said that uh it's about time for a disco libido crossover. <laughs> yeah uh i mean we're already i think ska music might be the only thing hated more than disco music uh at least disco music's kind of made a fucking comeback so <laughs> um the other thing i want to talk about uh andrew wk everybody sins this is i think yes. the third single from yep. his new album god is partying fascinating that we have had the album entitled God is Partying, the first single entitled Babylon, the second single entitled I'm in Heaven, and now this third one, Everybody Sins. Uh, every piece of content and information we have had dropped about this record uh, uses some sort of biblical imagery uh, in, the, in the lyric and naming scheme. Uh, I think this song carries on the fine tradition of the past two of being a wildly heavy departure for Andrew WK 
that I am mm. excited to listen to the whole record. But at this point, he's in the same camp that I think the Bronx are in for me with Bronx Six, where I'm like, all right, just put it out. Uh, three, three at three singles. I'm yeah. like, all right, just put it out already. Uh, <laughs> I think the album itself only has like nine songs, so he's only right. gone through like a third of the fucking record. Yeah, now a third of the record's out, and uh, and the record's not out yet. I feel Is it like coming out in August or September. I think that one's September. Jesus Christ, he's I gonna throw that... out like he's gonna throw out at least like four or five singles total yeah. before the thing comes out. Which That's I hate point. that trend. Which I get with streaming why they do it, but fuck. They used <laughs> to do now. They used to put out two and then put the album out, and then put out more singles after that, uh, which yeah. is way better. <laughs> but they yeah, don't do my, that In anymore. my opinion, the strategy should be like two to three teasers max. Yeah. Then release the album, and then if you want to release a couple others, go on to fuck ahead. You know, music but, videos, pro tour promotion, whatever have you. Yeah. But you heard the track, Greg? Yep. What'd you think about it? You're more of a metal guy than me. so I am. Um, and I think out of the three, this one was probably my least favorite. I did like it. I would don't get me wrong. But I would say that this one is kind of much more straightforwardly classic heavy metal style, which mm-hmm. works. And I think Andrew does pull it off. It just musically, and I know that what's streaming is the radio edit. So I don't know yeah. if on the album, if there's going to be something extended or maybe there's an additional fuck that we didn't hear on yeah, the song. It's the, it's the only one of the three that has been listed as radio edit as well. For yeah. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe the album version has some like extended passage or something, but um, for what it is, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I like it. And I do like that so far. Andrew has, uh, he's definitely kept consistency, not mm-hmm. only sonically, but also lyrically and sort of this like tongue in cheek, biblical, sort of thing that's going on. I think Babylon is still my favorite of the three singles. It's just so gaudy and over the top where here everybody sends seems like a little bit more restrained and kind of more straightforward than the previous singles. But I'm still pretty excited to hear what exactly he's going in for on this record. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be cool to see, man. I I hope, uh, or rather I would be just as interested if it's all, uh, if he's choosing the singles really carefully and the album has this whole other thing in store for us. Um, you know. It's like, psych, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a poker record. Uh, the last one ah! I want to talk about... The last one I want to talk about is Big D and the Kids Table Too Much, which they dropped a couple of days ago. This is from their first Which I also album. listened to. Yeah. Which is why it's their... good that you went first, because I would have mentioned all these and you'd be like, Greg, shut the fuck up! <laughs> uh, from their forthcoming album, Do Your Art, uh, never uh, underestimate Big D and the Kids Table's uh, ability to find the most awkwardly pretentious title possible. Uh, <laughs> if you if you like this band, you will like this song. It sounds like a fucking Big D track, man. It sounds like Big D. That's uh, it's not only the nicest thing I can say about the song. It's just about the only thing you could say about the song. Uh, it what I will say to to Big D's credit, there is a good Big D and there is a bad Big D. This is firmly good Big D, I think, um, and firmly accentuating the things that I think this band is great at. Good firm Big D. <laughs> yeah.
a good firm big D is what I would say that it is. Firmly. Firmly uh, big D and it's good. It's good big D. Again, this is, uh, I would say, a big D in the kids' table for fans of big D in the kids' table. Uh, and if you, if you don't know if you're one of those or not, maybe check it out. Uh, and if you know that you are one of those, uh, check out the new single. It's, it's, uh, it's a big D song. I don't know how you felt about it, Greg. I I was also like, yeah, this sounds like every other Big D in the Kids Table song. It's it's good. I do like it. Um, and actually, the lead singer of Big D uh, actually did teach a class at Linden State College. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but he taught like a tour 360. So he was teaching uh, like like tour scheduling and like managing and all that, which I couldn't take the class because of my dual majoring and shit. But it was like... Like, that's pretty fucking sick. And a lot of people who took the class said that they learned a shit ton from it. So I'm a little I'm a little jealous that I missed out <laughs> on that course. Hey, man, if, if anybody. Drew, uh, please uh, hit us with something, man. Something new. Uh, I mean, I just uh, came out with an unreleased track on my SoundCloud. I promised I was going to release it last week, and I got lazy, and I just released it now. It's on the Discord if you want to go <laughs> check it out. It's in the new music category on our Discord. Um, mm-hmm. I'm keeping it pretty hush anyways, just because, like, you know, I don't really... It's not off of any label or anything like that. It's just a self-release for right now, and it's sort of unreleased. Right. Like, I'm not distributed in it. It's just able to be listened to on uh, SoundCloud as a streaming platform right now. Sure. That's it. Well, I haven't really found a lot of... You don't, you don't, want, you don't, you don't want to talk about Emlyn's thing? Oh, right. Um... <laughs> My sister, who I care so deeply about, um, <laughs> has released a new song as well. Bryce, you might as well should have just like released, talked about the release for me. But I don't know what it's called. I just know that it came out. I figured you. I'll admit I haven't listened to it either. I know that uh, what was it Joda Cow uh, put it up yeah, on the Discord. He listened to it. Yeah, I, I saw it. I was like, "Oh, song, I the song is called Plotline." She showed it to me in the car before it got released. That I always forget about releases because I hear all of them before they're actually out. Because <laughs> she's always really excited about them and wants me to like tell her what I think. It's really good. Um, a lot of people think it's like her best song to date. Um, very fun song. She's on a roll, baby. She's on, she's a, on a she's roll. on a heck and roll right now, dude. What? She's like a hot dog, baby. She's hot and she's on a roll. So yeah, that's it. That's uh that's all my new music right now. <laughs> Just me and my sister. All right, I am, that's all that's all I'm aware I of. Am, I am saving that on my Spotify so I can listen to it later. Yes, yeah, so that's Emlyn with the song Plotline. 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 <laughs> Good, good old good old uh, song for uh you know fuck you breakups type shit you know like yeah the hook is like you are good for the plot line mm. um hopefully that nice. character arc goes in a good direction if it's like an anime you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> greg please uh, f- uh feed these baby birds the rest man all right. Well, the several singles came out that I thoroughly enjoyed. Album-wise, there wasn't too much I enjoyed. Um, there wasn't anything like really bad per se. I listened to uh, the new Willow album, which uh, kind of went in a more pop punk ish direction, which is not surprising because that's kind of the trend for a lot of 
artists who have been doing the R&B slash hip hop thing. And like Travis Barker is technically featured on like three of these tracks, which is just kind of like, come on. I I get that Travis Barker is kind of the reason why this trend is happening, but does it have to be that fucking obvious? He had a busy week. He was on something else too, a Dirty Head single or something like that. Right? I think so. I didn't quite. I didn't check that one out, but um, I don't know. I thought. I think if you like sort of the pop punk thing, I don't think Willow did anything groundbreaking. It's definitely like the two thousands, uh, sounding pop punk post grunge type of shit. But overall, I thought it was decent. Um, Out of Sight also came out with a new album that was pretty decent. If you like some kind of summery, sort of poppy jams, uh, Out of Sight is your white rapper to go to. Um, personally, I think he's a slight bit underrated, only because he had like that one Warner Brothers hit back in like 2011. And I listened to him before that, even when he did more jazzy, like East Coast style rap. But overall, he's still a, he's still a fun dude. Um, one album I do want to recommend, though, is from a producer called Elusive. He is, uh, I just discovered him. Uh, the album is called New New, or N-U-N-U, and he's kind of more of like a jazzy electronic, uh, producer. Um, it's a pretty decent album overall, um, and usually I don't recommend too many instrumental albums, but when they hit for me, they do hit, and while I'm not sure this would make my year-end top 50, yeah, I'd still recommend it for people who want some, like, pretty chill but kind of interesting-sounding music. There's a bunch of uh, different, uh, not only sample-based uh, compositions, uh, sample-based production, but also live instrumentation as well. So I think the fusion that Elusive goes for is pretty interesting. So I wouldn't mind checking more of his stuff out. Um, back to the playlist at hand. Let me see what other singles came out, because there were eight. Um, let me see. Uh, Benny the Butcher came out with a new single called uh, Pyrex Picasso. Uh, probably one of the best instrumentals that he's been on in a while. The dude's just gritty as fuck. Um, Benny Benny the Butcher sounds like he stepped right out of a fucking Guy Ritchie movie. Uh, <laughs> he, he's easily one of the best. Uh, he's from the uh, Griselda Collective, uh, mm. and he's a uh, he's really fucking solid. He's probably. God, it's hard to say he's my favorite of the three, because Conway the Machine's really good, too. And West Side Gun is good, I just don't care for his voice all that much. Um, Griselda might be up your alley, Bryce. I, I don't think 100%, but I think you'd probably like them more than uh, some of the more modern trap rappers, mostly because they do sort of root themselves in, like, classic 90s hardcore-style hip-hop that I think you'd probably like a bit. Um... Uh, for other singles that came out, Spanish Love Songs came out with uh, with a new uh, A-side, B-side, and the A-side is uh, Phantom Limb. Uh, it sounds kind of like what came off their last album, Brave Faces Everyone, which I loved. Um, so this song's kind of right up that alley. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's nothing revolutionary for the band. I hope they experiment just a little bit more with their sound because when it comes to like key uh, keys of the songs and tempo... They have a little bit of a formula going on. They just do it really, really well. So I'm just hoping they branch it a little bit more on the next release. Uh, uh, Conan Gray has uh, People Watching. It is a really solid uh, synth synth pop kind of single. Uh, Iron Maiden came out with a new single, and they're going to come out with a new album in September, I believe. The single's called The Writing on the Wall. 
Uh, it's not the most energetic uh, Iron Maiden song I've heard, but it's pretty decent, all things considered. So I'm kind of interested to see where Iron Maiden goes with the new album, just because I do think their later career is pretty decent. Not the best Iron Iron Maiden era, obviously, but, I mean, yeah. Uh, it Gets Better by Swedish House Mafia. They came out with a new single. That was pretty dope. Uh, I can't remember exactly how to pronounce this one, but uh, Yves Tumor, I think is the name. Uh, they just came out with an EP that is really fucking dope. Uh, the EP is called The Asympto... Asymptotical World. I don't know how the fuck you say that. But, uh, five songs. Really interesting art rock, art pop record. Uh, I'd recommend that. And, uh, I think the last two I will mention, or last three, uh, Kevin Abstract from Brockhampton came out with a new single called Slugger featuring Snot and Slow Tie. It's a really cool alternative hip-hop track. Uh, Feeling Good uh, by Chris Calico and Futuristic. It's a nice little two-and-a-half-minute just feel-good fucking piano soul rap type of shit. I'm kind of interested to see where Chris Calico, if he's going to release a record this year or not. Um, and last but not least, and might come as a surprise, Shakira came out with a new single called uh, Don't Wait Up, and it's pretty pretty decent. Everyone's I'm not going to lie. Just, like, everyone's just waiting for my hips still don't lie. You know, that's what the world wants. <laughs> they still don't lie. <laughs> her, her version of what chubby uh, chubby checker let's twist again. You know, like just do the same song. <laughs> I want to make that'd be her. interesting if she does come out of a new if she does come out of a new record and that just happens to be like like if you just predict that. I'd like to marry that woman. Yeah. Well, she, she's already married, man. You're gonna have to fight. You're gonna have to fight her husband for that. I'll just wait. <laughs> I don't want to fight anybody. I'll just wait patiently. But but a new single's pretty decent. Uh, it's got kind of a kind of a weird, funkier little upbeat uh, pop tune. So yeah, check that out. And I believe that is everything on my list. I will shut up, and we can move on to Jimmy Cliff. Uh, before we go any we go any further, uh, the biz. We should talk about the biz uh, briefly. Uh, R.I.P. Biz Marquee, um, mm. who uh, known uh, throughout music. It's very interesting uh, talking about uh, his sort of one big song that everybody talks about, uh, which I love that song dearly. Just a friend, and uh, he went on to have sort of a. Uh, um, what one might consider a mild career after that. But what what's sort of fascinating about him is he's one of these characters who was just kind of friends with everybody uh, in the scene. Uh, and so you can track the biz showing up on Beastie Boys records and showing up on uh, uh, records over here, you know, from other people. And, and that's maybe what's uh, what's most wonderful about him. And he was in Men in Black, too. So the best Men in Black movie. No, the worst of the three, but still uh, a great movie uh, on account of it being a Men in Black film. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, bi uh, biz, biz dying. Uh, it sucks. It sucks, man. Yeah. From, um, from what I read, it was like. I'm not sure if this was 100% related to it, but he did go to the hospital earlier, I think this year, due to like complications with uh, diabetes. I don't remember mm -hmm. if it was type 1 or type 2. And I think that 
played a role into um into his death but mm-hmm. but yeah no he was like you can't go around the hip hop community without Bismarcky's name being mentioned somewhere like he wasn't the most popular rapper in terms of like mainstream success but when it comes to like hip hop alone like he has connections everywhere and any and yeah. there's like no bad thing you can say about the dude he was like a little piece of everybody man just one of those one of those guys that uh everybody seemed to love him a lot you know so yeah um it's a shame to to lose a, a figure like that the big the real thing for him that i think will ultimately be his legacy is just how m- many pieces of the industry he touched you know uh, yeah. and 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 how present he was in all of it right um so r.i.p to the biz that sucks man but we have arrived volume 16 jimmy cliff let's talk about it james chambers from wikipedia uh james chambers uh om as he's listed here, born the 30th of July, 1944, is known professionally as Jimmy Cliff. He's a Jamaican ska, rocksteady, reggae, and soul musician, multi-instrumentalist, singer, and actor. He is the only living reggae musician to hold the Order of Merit, which is what the OM in his name stands for. The highest honor that can be granted by the Jamaican government for achievements in the arts and sciences. Basically, if you're a Jamaican, this is like being knighted. Cliff is best known among mainstream audiences for songs such as Wonderful World, Beautiful People, Many Rivers to Cross, You Can Get It If You Really Want, The Harder They Come, Reggae Night, Hakuna Matata, uh, which is a cover, uh, and his covers of Cat Stevens' Wild World and Johnny Nash's I Can See Clearly Now from the film cool runnings he started in the film uh, he starred in the film the harder they come which helped popularize reggae across the world and club paradise cliff was one of the five performers inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2010 uh jimmy cliff everybody there's so much to say he was my pick for the week so i will start with my experience with Jimmy Cliff. I listened to, for what it's worth, Hard Road to Travel from 1969, Jimmy Cliff, which was later retitled Wonderful World, Beautiful People in 1970, The Harder They Come from 1972, Music Maker 1974, Follow My Mind 1976, Unlimited 1977, Give Thanks 1978, Special 1982, The Power and the Glory 1983, Cliffhanger 1985, Hanging Fire 1988 and Rebirth 2012. Basically everything that wasn't a hits collection and was featured on Spotify. Now, if you listened through what was on Spotify and you enjoyed what was on Spotify this week, take a look at his Wikipedia discography because Spotify has a fraction of what he has released. Um, Right here, there's 12 records. His full uh, Wikipedia discography lists, I think, 24, 25. Um, and I probably could have doubled back and hit more of those records than I ended up hitting. Uh, but I didn't, I felt like I, I had enough to certainly talk about Jimmy Cliff and how I feel about him, uh, from what was presented. Although I will say what we are missing from the Wikipedia discography on Spotify at the very least, depending on what service you have, um, 
is a lot of sort of 70s material, which would be the biggest reason why I might double back, as well as some 90s material, which is all missing, basically, from uh, Spotify. And it would be cool to hear not only more 70s material from the period where, quite frankly, I think he was making the best stuff, to the 90s material, which is a complete blind spot blind spot on Spotify. It would be interesting to see why exactly. I just didn't manage to get it done in time. I also watched his film from 1972, The Harder They Come, and a documentary, which you can find on YouTube, called Moving On, which was rather fascinating. Uh, Jimmy Cliff is spectacular. Uh, I think his... He has sort of three kind of distinct eras in his art. He has this ska reggae era in the 70s, which is where everything you would want to listen to comes from for the most part. Uh, He has a, a, a brief period at the end of the 70s where he makes a couple of records, specifically Give Thanks, which are there's not a whole lot of ska or reggae on them at all. He's almost kind of going more in a rhythm and blues direction before he hits the eighties. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe uh, there was a feeling that there would be more, uh, commercial, uh, success for that sort of thing. And the eighties stuff, which is, uh, awful for the most part, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, cliffhanger I think is maybe one record from the 80s where he he kind of crawls out of it but like everybody else uh, he goes into the 80s and and kind of everything turns into shit for a decade um, and then Rebirth being his, his most recent record I think is actually pretty solid despite being like 90% covers but but those those songs from the 70s when he's really on that run many rivers to cross which is gorgeous wonderful world beautiful people uh you can get it if you really want the harder they come those things are amazing and if you didn't watch the movie and you enjoyed Jimmy Cliff I highly recommend the movie uh the harder they come it also includes songs from Toots and the Maytals and a handful of other really important Jamaican artists it's a fascinating film you can find it on YouTube now there's for free there's there's no excuse not to not to give it a try although I will say watch it with subtitles everybody is speaking very heavy Jamaican and accents. Uh, the, the movie is one of the most fascinating films I've seen in a long time because it starts out in this very, you know, it seems like it's going to be a musical biopic. And if you've ever seen a musical biopic, you've seen every musical biopic, uh, you know, that is going to be this story of a kid with big dreams and just wants to get a chance to make that song in the studio. And uh, it's, you know, kind of pushed along. And the the only thing that's kind of cool about it is that it's happening within this basically almost never seen culture in, in movies uh, of, of Jamaica and real Jamaica, Jamaica in the, in this movie. Then (laughs) about three quarters of the way through the film, the, the main character uh, is tired of being jerked around as a musician. So he buys two guns and starts shooting anyone who looks at him the wrong way. Uh, And is fucking like legitimately snaps has lost his mind. His girlfriend's like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, they're gonna know who I am now, baby. They're like, like, 
and and it's fantastic until eventually at the end of the film spoilers he's he's shot by the police um in this really great scene where he stands up against the police and they shoot him and then it cuts to black and then it immediately hits the harder they come over the credits uh it's it's jesus christ I legitimately recommend the movie because it gets to the third act and it's just like, okay, we're making this one movie, but like, we're really bored. So like hard cut <laughs> to this being a ridiculous action movie. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's really, really genuinely a lovely film. And, uh, I bought it, uh, a couple of months ago on Blu-ray, I was like, I'll watch this at some point. And when we when it we were gonna do Jimmy Cliff, I was like, Oh, this is the time to watch it. I'm so glad I own this movie because it's it's, <laughs> it's legitimately amazing. Maybe the best thing that I saw from him all week. Moving on is a documentary you can also find on YouTube, which is fascinating because it highlights Jimmy Cliff now and the reaction that people give to him now in Jamaica. And it's not a situation where he walks down the street and everybody knows who he is. A lot of people know who he is, but not everybody. There's a handful of situations where you see him introducing himself to people and they're like, oh, you do you do the song that they use on the commercials, by which they mean on the commercials to visit Jamaica. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, but the man, you know, uh, Bob Marley, who I'll talk about more in a moment, went through this whole period of time where... It was really dangerous for him to continue to be in Jamaica. And so as a result, he stopped being in Jamaica for a period of about 10 years. Uh, because every time he went to Jamaica, somebody tried to murder him. So he just didn't go back there all that often <laughs> for various reasons. Hashtag um, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy Cliff never really had that reason for, for uh, or that trouble for reasons... Uh, we'll maybe talk about uh, in a moment. So he, I mean, this is a man who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is a man who has performed concerts all over the world. This is a man who has had Billboard hits uh, in in a bunch of different countries. This is a man who lives in a shack on top of a hill in Jamaica. To this day, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's, there's something really beautiful about that. And he shows like how simple his life r remains because he's just a different type of person than all these fucking musicians that, you know, you know, and, and music is a, a different thing that comes to him differently because he is from a different place. Um, entirely than, than almost any musician you've ever met. And, and it's such a fascinating culture to get a glimpse into and to get a glimpse into, Oh, here's a figure who again has the highest or the fourth highest honor that his uh, country can possibly bestow upon him. And still it's, you know, here's my fucking rickety old fence with the fucking string that goes across here and shit and uh, living on this hill in Jamaica and just, and being happy about it. And that's maybe the biggest thing about Jimmy Cliff that I noticed. And, and is something I think you guys will echo here. You can say a million things about the the music that Jimmy Cliff makes, but I think the one thing you couldn't call it is ugly. Up until the eighties, um, <laughs> uh, but the the this the reggae music that he, but even the stuff in the eighties, like it's there's no there's no mean feelings in anything that he makes, even when he's kind of talking about 
the harder they come or, 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 or when he very rarely touches on sort of themes of violence, Bob Marley's music for people who have listened to more than like legend, which is like a collection of his softest material, uh, will know that, uh, Part of the reason why he was kind of chased out of his home country that he had kind of broken to the world using his music is that a lot of his music is a lot more violent than you think it is uh, and a lot more uh, political <laughs> political and angry and um, there there's a lot of uh, themes in his music. And I mean, he, uh, this is a man who... Uh, had a song off of one of his last albums that he regularly played as the second song in every uh, show that was called uh, Burning and Looting, uh, which is uh, literally about how uh, the uh, everyone's tired of getting fucked around with, so they're just going to fuck up some shit. Uh, you know, he had songs about uh, slave drivers and uh, them, uh, you know, he had a song like Them Belly Full. Uh, which is about how, uh, uh, you know, capitalists are fucking everything up. And he's j- relentlessly political musician that everyone's like, really? Three little birds? That guy? And it's like, bro, like, <laughs> listen, listen no, to the No woman, music. no cry. And he has a song called Burning and Looting? The well, audacity. Well, I mean, uh, but even, even songs that people think of as being incredibly beautiful, like uh, Redemption Song, which I will follow people on. I think that song's incredibly gorgeous uh it's a fiercely political song <laughs> about about slavery right and so and it, it it's throughout his work throughout his work and and jimmy cliff does not do that that is not the type of thing that jimmy cliff does and it's fine uh it, it, i don't think it's a shortcoming of jimmy cliff he just he does a different thing with it than bob does where bob is and that's why i think the comparison beyond the comparison between him and bob being something that will inevitably happen i think with everybody because of how similar they are kind of stylistically and as figures um beyond the fact that comparing them doesn't really work because i think bob is a hundred times the songwriter that Jimmy Cliff is. But then again, mm-hmm. I think Bob is a hundred times the songwriter that a lot of people are, um, yeah. that it's not an insult to Jimmy Cliff. Uh, he, it's also, they are uh, tonally, tonally just completely different figures. Uh, that said, I, that was what I adored about Jimmy Cliff was that his music is just about love. Everything is about love. Uh, from from stem to stern, and uh, the stuff that happens in the eighties, I can't I can't even hold it against people anymore. <laughs> but the stuff in the seventies is truly, truly spectacular. I think Rebirth is a really solid album too. Uh, I'm I'm kind of bummed that he hasn't put anything out since 2012 because i'm like you were on a good track and you've been touring this whole time i my genuine hope is that we get back to a place where where jimmy uh feels like he can get out uh on the road again and that he comes close because i think it would uh be lovely to see him before we don't have him around anymore you know Mm. um and uh i i had a wonderful week with jimmy cliff i think that's about all i wanted to to say about uh about his stuff um who whoever wants to go next can go next i suppose i can go okay uh my experience with jimmy cliff i listened to pretty much every studio album that was available on spotify so that was 
Wonderful world, beautiful people, the harder they come, music maker, follow my mind, unlimited, give thanks, special, the power and the glory, cliffhanger, hang and fire, goodbye yesterday, and rebirth. In which, I think goodbye yesterday, I don't know if that was like re-recordings of certain songs, because some of them were, some of them were, yeah. it felt like a weird session type it's of album. Not, it's not listed as a studio album. Uh, on his official discography, and so I assumed that it was re-recordings at the very least and a compilation uh, at worst, you know? Okay. So yeah, um, that makes sense. Because yeah. it definitely, because I definitely recognize certain songs were like, oh, I know the song from this album. I yeah. literally just listened to it, like, <laughs> right back to back. So, but it's just all in a different type of environment that it was recorded right. in, so. But, um, yeah, my... I, I did wish I saw the movie. I'll if I have some free time, I'll go and watch the harder they come. But uh, <laughs> my experience with his music, I did enjoy his early stuff, the seventies, uh, quite a bit. Wonderful world, beautiful people, which is actually um, a re-release of his or republishing of his debut, self-titled. Right. Um. That was retitled after that specific song because it was the single that was like, oh, hey, we're going to republish it, but we're going to name it something differently. Yeah, it's like uh, Marvin Gaye's In the Groove was later republished as I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that album, yeah, Wonderful World, Beautiful People, I think is a excellent debut record uh, from Time Will Tell all the way down to the final track, uh, Come Into My Life. I really enjoyed just about everything about that record. It was really bright, really optimistic, made me feel good. And, I mean, there was a couple of semi-political stuff in there with, like, Vietnam. Sure. But um, mostly it was just more about, like, the human emotion, human internal and just, like, expression type of stuff, which... You can't really get too mad at that. <laughs> and then, of course, the soundtrack, The Heart of They Come, was really solid all around. Um, whether it was Jimmy Cliff himself or the other artists that were featured on there, uh, there really wasn't a bad track on this soundtrack either. But No, I think that me, one's a slammer. Big time. Yeah, if I find either of those two on vinyl, I'll probably get them. But for me... I'm more of a ska punk guy because I like my energy. Yeah. And uh, rock steady is not exactly one of those ska genres that I go to very often. So trying to digest a bunch of his records at once, I'm like, this is all starting to bleed together a little bit for me. Mm. And I'm starting to lose, starting to lose the, uh, the, like the vibe is still there, but I'm starting to lose interest. A sure. little bit, and not really to Jimmy Cliff's, you know, to discredit him or anything, because honestly, the albums are good. It's just not the type of music I would go out of my way to really listen to on a regular basis. So, Music Maker, Follow My Mind, um, Unlimited had a couple of interesting percussion parts that I enjoyed overall, but um, those three records just kind of went in one ear and out the other, and I've tried listening to them again and the exact same thing. I like them. It's just like, yeah. I like in the moment, but then as soon as it's done, it's out. <laughs> but give thanks. Uh, now that you mention it, I do remember that one having a little bit of a sonic shift more toward the R&B soul 
type of kick, and which would make sense then when he transitioned in the 80s, um, and which I'll talk about those in a minute, uh, <laughs> where, where he does sort of lean less into the ska and rock steady. It's still there throughout the course of his records. It's just far, far less. Yeah. Because once we hit special, um, the problem with special, the songwriting is still in the ska and rock steady vein, but the production is complete and utter ass. So everything is completely stale and nothing clicks. I, I think whatever I had on my playlist, um, which I'll post in the Discord, were really the only songs I even somewhat liked, and I can't remember off the top which ones I even added just looking at the album here. Because <laughs> um, I'm not on the playlist and going through album by album. Uh, the Power and the Glory is when he just went full-on 80s pop for the sake of doing 80s pop. And uh, give credit where credit's due. I don't think it's the worst 80s pop I've heard, but yeah, it's... It's far. It's a far cry from what people I think would go to Jimmy Cliff to ever listen to. Right. Uh, and Cliffhanger was the one where it actually almost kind of worked. In particular, I was a little bit surprised with American Sweet, where the electric guitar suddenly kicks in, and it's almost like this could have been on a oh fuck, what was that? A Beverly Hills Cop, the one with <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Like this yeah. could have been a song on that soundtrack. And I'm like. Why does this work? This shouldn't straight, work. <laughs> straight up, my experience was very similar where Cliffhanger was one where I was like, I still hate a lot of this, but I don't I don't completely hate this record. I think there's something going on here. Yeah, like f- like he finally sort of found the niche of like the songwriting and the production kind of not being as complete ass, although don't get me wrong, the drums on Hitting with Music are so reverbed to death that it bothered the hell out of me especially the fact that those were like the cheap 80s electronic drums so you could hear just how garbage this shit was but um yeah cliffhanger like out of all the 80s records was the one that was like the closest to being good yeah and then hanging fire comes up and completely fucks that up yeah, Hanging Fire's awful. <laughs> That's where he just leans right into the 80s pop shit again, and I would argue it's worse than The Power and the Glory, because at least The Power and the Glory had a little bit of the Rocksteady and Ska infused still, mm-hmm. in which I think, while those blends didn't work 100% of the time, it was there, it was alright, could have been worse. Hanging Fire just abandons that, and it just fucks up royally. Important to know, Wikipedia is also missing a handful of releases from the, uh, or Spotify is missing a handful of releases from the 80s that Wikipedia mm-hmm. lists. There may be a case where he is kind of uh, doubling, uh, putting out a Sky record, putting out kind of an 80s pop record, and we're getting sort of an incomplete sampling here and kind of having a hard time tracing why why does it feel like he's like whiplashing between these two things? He might have been yeah. running simultaneously. Um, yeah. But so, so that's that's the disclaimer. Right. Uh, but then uh but then Rebirth uh was I believe Tim Armstrong was the one that produced it. Mm-hmm. So I could actually of hear Ruby Soho's on the record. And, well, yeah, and... that one was a big old that was a big old fat. Oh yeah, he's involved. Um <laughs> but actually yeah, Rebirth was pretty damn solid all around. Mm -hmm. And I think what I liked about that record was it wasn't just uh, 
another just like rock steady ska record. Like there was actually some upbeat tempos and the melodies were really strong. In particular, one more I think was probably my favorite track. The uh, the the harmonies that were coming off the vocals were really excellent. Bang was a pretty solid track and outsider i really liked just how upbeat that song was mm-hmm. he was really experimenting with just any kind of rhythm and for the most part i think it worked some songs didn't click with me as much like cry no more where he sort of hits his falsetto and like a really minimalist rock steady beat i'm like please stop please fucking stop <laughs> yeah. i didn't skip it but i was very close about two-thirds of the way and i'm like just suffer through it. It's almost done. <laughs> there was, I think, a song off of Special. Like, the second song off of Special, I was like, I'm done. And and cut that and moved on to the next one. <laughs> that was yeah, the no, only the, time the, I skipped anything the whole week. Yeah, Special had some really bad songs. Yeah, let me, let me go to the playlist now that I've gone to uh, all of the... Uh, all the albums here. Let me what see. Were the, what were the songs that really did it for you? Uh, let me see. Ones that stood out a lot. Uh, Vietnam, uh, Hard Road to Travel, My Ancestors. I mean, the singles, like the big hits are pretty obvious, but I think some right. of the deeper cuts on some of these records hit me a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can get it if you really want. The Harder They Come, Sitting in Limbo. I specifically chose the Jimmy Cliff tracks because it's a Jimmy Cliff playlist. But yeah, right. really, Same. the songs that yeah, the songs that he did on the out on the soundtrack were mint. Good yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, Number one ripoff, man, I remember kind of being a really, really interesting rhythm. Uh, mm. That was one of his weirder experiments where he decided to go a little bit more in that R&B direction that was just kind of a hint of it. But I was like, oh, okay, this is just another Rocksteady song. Where is this going to go? The lyrics are wonderful, too. Yeah. For, for people who don't, uh, who don't understand, uh, Jamaica was really an interesting musical climate at the time. Um, at the time they had sort of just gotten their independence from, uh, the, the colonization that they were dealing with up until that point upon getting that independence, they were free to sort of fend for themselves in a country that (laughs) had not established copyright laws whatsoever. (laughs) At the same time, technology was coming far enough that they were able to get a long wave radios on the island and they were becoming quite popular and so they were getting all of these radio signals from louisiana and from florida and getting these american r&b songs and ska music rock steady music reggae music comes out of that particular political climate where they could hear these songs on the radio and it didn't Nobody gave a fuck if they stole these songs because they didn't have any laws against it uh, because there were no laws in the place. Beyond that, number one ripoff, ripoff man specifically refers to, I think there's probably about four people in the world this could be about. Cox and Dodd is one of them, um, there, but there's a handful of others, and they were what they called sound system men at the time. They would roll around Jamaica in these giant tricked-out trucks with big speakers on them and they would find big fields and they would turn on the fucking speakers and they would DJ and the, the, the people would come out and, and party in the fields and listen to these records and whatever. Eventually these dudes got big enough that they were able to build their own studios, record their own artists. And then what made you 
a must-see sound system guy in Jamaica was that you had your own records that nobody else had. Uh, and specifically, this is something that you see uh, sort of mentioned in Harder They Come about how that music industry was working at the time. Uh, but it's something that you can feel throughout uh, the early careers of basically anyone who came from Jamaica is that it really was like a microcosm of how the music industry was working because the men who owned the studios were the men who owned the 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 parties and the men who owned the radio stations and it was all the same four guys right and so you had to had to get in with them and take the deals that they took right at yeah, the time I, so, I remember that vaguely when I saw like a behind the music of uh, Bob Marley I think back mm-hmm. when VH1 actually did that kind of thing it was a decent channel um right. when they did that I, they mentioned something similar about that and basically number one ripoff man is literally just a song entirely about that <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure if bob i don't remember a song where bob marley explicitly addressed he, it but he does it a, he does it a bunch of times he does it a bunch yeah. of times prince buster does it a bunch of times Derek morgan does it a bunch of times like there's just a handful of songs from each of these guys that are like <laughs> you're all fucking leeches uh <laughs> it's kind of amazing <laughs> i need to go back on some more bob marley records i i haven't listened to bob marley i think since college yeah or at least or at least not like going out of my way to listen to him but but mm. now i want to listen to more of him but uh, going back to the playlist, uh, other songs that stood out. Uh, Look at the Mountains record just kind of went in and out. Uh, commercialization off of uh, Unlimited was good. Born to Win, I really liked because of how anthemic it sounded. Like it was, it really sounded like a, uh, like a, I win kind of song. <laughs> Which, I mean, makes sense. It's called Born to right. Win. That was the right. intention. And he did it well. Um, you Left Me Standing by the Door, Meeting in Africa. I liked quite a bit. Um, Roots Radical, I think, was the one song on special I was okay with. I think I liked some of the weirder bass that was going on with that song. But the rest Mm -hmm. of them, like, I even have, like, Treat the Youths Right and Rock Children on here. They're not great. Then uh, Reggae Night, which sounds anything but reggae. Um, I just thought that was funny. Uh, American Dream lyrically i think was actually a really smart song it it was like directly anti-capitalist and i loved the lyrics behind it i just wish the instrumental was half as interesting yeah uh and then of course uh we get to uh cliffhanger uh american suite again the fact that it sounds like a beverly hills cop sort of like b-side soundtrack song really got to me i'm like <laughs> there's fucking electric guitar in a jimmy cliff song right now yeah hit me um hot shot was pretty good nuclear war i thought was an interesting uh closing track on that record uh completely skipped playing with fire because or hanging fire because all those songs were not great mm-hmm. uh and then when it comes to rebirth uh one more bang outsider uh those were the tracks that really stood out to me i didn't mind yeah. the covers but I tried going for more of the original stuff, and, and maybe a couple of those were covers, and I didn't quite catch who else had the songwriting credits. But sure. uh, in in summation, I enjoyed Jimmy Cliff quite a bit. I again, ska and Rocksteady are not exactly the genres that I go to a lot. Ska punk is probably the one I'm going to go to the most, just because I I like me some fast paced music, and I love me some fast horns and. Right. And and just just comically weird shit that comes out of the <laughs> genre, but uh yeah for 
for anybody who's trying to get into reggae, rock steady, sort of like the roots of the genre, obviously Bob Marley is going to be the obvious figurehead, but Jimmy right. Cliff, I think, is easily another go-to. He really has a different vibe than Bob Marley, but I think it's much more positive, much more internal lyricism, much more about like the human condition, human emotion, human nature, far less political and all that shit. It's just like, focus on yourself and be happy. He'll yeah. sprinkle in some of the political shit in there, but it's nothing like as violently explicit <laughs> as uh, Bob Marley sure. put it. Absolutely. But uh, overall, uh, yeah, Jimmy Cliff is uh, pretty damn good, in my opinion. So, Drew, Drewski, you are the grand finale. Give us your thoughts. The most underwhelming grand finale of all time. <laughs> but okay, so I listened to Wonderful World, Beautiful People, The Harder They Come, uh, his songs on that, because I knew a lot of the other ones already. Mm -hmm. uh, Music Maker, Follow My Mind, Unlimited. Give thanks, special, the power and the glory. Did I listen to Cliffhanger? If you no. didn't, you should have. <laughs> I skipped Cliffhanger. I went to Hanging Fire. Oh, <laughs> the worst. And then I immediately was like, well, Cliffhanger is probably like this, so I'm not going to listen to it now. <laughs> and then I listened to Rebirth. Yeah, so um, it was it was pretty fucking good. Um, I really liked his 70s stuff the most. Bryce already spoke on that, though. That's that he kind of, in his opinion, was the strongest stuff. Um, I think we're all in agreement on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 80s got weird, but they get weird for everybody. So whatever, <laughs> I guess. Um, like, there's not really much to really say about that, I guess, you know, except for like, you know, production wise. Holy fuck. Like. I think the part that annoyed me the most was just the fact that they like it just sounded like some white guy like produced a lot of it or something because it was mm -hmm. like just some cornball with like a fucking sports coat was just like yeah let's just like take all of the rhythmic stuff that like we've been using in reggae and rocksteady and ska and just throw it out the window and just do like fucking snares on the twos and fours like a rock song and it's like no what the fuck's wrong with you like that takes out the whole fucking rhythmic part of it like I think it was, it had to be Hanging Fire. I think it was Love Me, Love Me and Hanging Fire. They both just came in with like, boom, bat, boom, bat, like, just like super corny, simple ass fucking drum beats. And I was just like, oh, God, like, I know like the drums and reggae and all that shit are like, not really the focal point of like reggae music, but they made it the focal point in like a really bad way. Like, you know, like part of what made it so good was that you weren't paying attention to the drums. It was just like, you know, like the kick drum coming in on the, on the, on the twos and fours, you know, like how it's supposed to sound, you know, like there's a reason it's like that. It's supposed to bring, you know, a lot of attention to that funky, like heavy sub subby, like low attack baseline and fucking, guitars like doing the up chucks and fucking you know the singer just going off and doing his doing his thing and preaching about whatever the fuck he wants to talk about you know and uh so from a musical standpoint really did not like that album much at all it just i just had a hard time like i was like skipping like a few after i kind of got the point of it i was like all right i think i get that 
one fully now. I don't have to finish it. Like, and I hate doing that. I really like listening to like a full song, but those ones I was just like, I gotta ingest these quickly or I'm gonna throw up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from that though, like, I really like his 70s stuff. I like Rebirth a lot. I think like he kind of brought it back. Uh, it's kind of like where he was like earlier on, but just like now a more kind of mature and sophisticated, um, Jimmy, you know? Um, I mean, like, in all honesty though, like, uh, I still just like the 70s stuff more. Um, I think that like kind of like a callback to like the sound and stuff that they use in Rebirth was good. It wasn't bad. You know, like they did a very good job with production and whatnot, but it wasn't like um, fresh or like new. And I think I was also like really like overly, overly reggae by the time mm. I got to that album. So I think I was just like, uh huh. Cool. Well, uh, there's, there's like, <laughs> it, it sounds a little bit better, but I mean, it's it's still reggae. Like, there's yeah. like a there's a hunger to those '70s records that isn't really there on Rebirth. Rebirth is a different situation. It's Tim Armstrong coming in and being like, "I fucking love you, Jimmy Cri- Jimmy Cliff, for what you've done. Let's make a record together." And Jimmy's like, "Okay," and and they put together some great stuff, one more and stuff like that, right off that record that that's pretty good. But yeah. it's it's different than Jimmy Cliff the young dude going into fucking studio one in Jamaica to record many rivers to cross or something like that. Right. Like it's just a different thing. So that being said about that album, it was still a very good album. It just like was not as effective for me. And there was just like this electricness and energy and whether it was hunger, whatever it was, the earlier stuff, just like I was listening. I pretty much listened to all those seventies albums, like mostly throughout Sunday um i was working out with it i was shopping with it i was driving with it um and dude it like it felt really good like going through the catalog at that point and i think i mentioned on the discord like i've had a very peaceful sunday listening to fucking jimmy cliff and that's kind of like the emotions and the vibe that that man emits is about peace and love and that's a really good thing to have. And like, you know, you could call it like hacky or like, Oh, like, why don't you do something that like you could use with your platform that matters. And it's like, you know what? Or just do your thing, you know? And just like, if that's what you're about, that's what you're about. And it was very clearly that with that man, it's about, it's like peace and love. And, um, that's fine with me. Like, I'm okay with that. Like it doesn't, there doesn't have to be anything remarkable or out, outstanding outside of just that because honestly like we could always use a little more peace of love in our lives and like right um you know i think that that's a really important feeling to emit into life is that and like i i try and do that myself in my life so for me it was like definitely really cool and like spiritual for me to go through all of that and listen to all that and i really enjoyed it um but yeah, the '80s really sucked, dude. Holy fuck! <laughs> like, I really well, like, it was just can... like, and we know, I know the '80s syndrome. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's just like it was like right. a screeching halt of that energy that I was really feeling in the '70s, and I was just like, I kind of am done with this man. Like, and like it killed my vibe, like big time. It went cool. and and it kind of knocked knocked it down down a uh, a spoke there, um, which is a big bummer because like before that I was like, this is amazing. 
And like, um, so, I mean, it's whatever, like, cause he kind of went back to that energy at the end, but it was kind of like, right. all right, I think I kind of get what Jimmy's about here. And, um, I did enjoy it though. It's just like, um, uh, you know, because of the 80s syndrome and like, uh, trying to come back to that consistency after it. And then just like lacking whatever it is, the hunger, the excitement, the energy right. around it, whatever it is, like. It just kind of like I felt like that like that was the magical moment in his career. And I really embraced that a lot and I enjoyed it a lot. Um overall his discog, um a little bit unstable with my yeah. enjoyment personally. But that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. And I don't yeah, I mean we, I think you we, guys all covered everything else pretty well, so when we talked about Aretha, we uh, we talked about her being like a turn on a feeling artist, right? Mm-hmm. Like you turn on anything by her and it feels, it has this feeling to it. And his 70s catalog, I think, absolutely has that with the Does exception of maybe give, th- give Thanks, which is a different, like, it, it's like a different feeling that he's going for with that record. Yeah. Uh, the, the 80s stuff just... It, it's not like that. It's yeah. Aretha it's somehow 80s. like survived the eighties, even with all the bad production, which was like amazing. <laughs> like that was so crazy. Like that. She did that. Um, I, I think it's ultimately going to end up being what on this show. The story of this show is what, what makes a, a five slap artist. And it's sort of like making it through the eighties, <laughs> making it through the eighties, jumping those hurdles and coming out the other side unscathed is like remarkable. That's, that's five star quality right there. So let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. Shall we do a slappy slap? Uh, I guess I'll go first since I went last. Yeah. Um, so because of all the other stuff, um, it was going to be a five, but I'm going to have to hit it with that four because of the rest of his catalog. And um, I would listen to the 70s stuff again, but the rest of his stuff, I'm okay with never hearing again. Um, even like his, even Rebirth, like I, I don't think I would ever want to go back and listen to that album. Not Not because it's bad. It's just like, I don't really, I just don't want to. <laughs> so um yeah uh it's a four it's a solid four for me um mostly because of the 70s stuff i am exactly my my opinion mirrors yours exactly where in the middle of the 70s catalog i was like we're gonna hit it we're we're, we're gonna do it this week fellas uh and then we made it to the 80s and i was like we're not gonna do it this week fellas uh, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we hit 80s it was like god yeah fucking damn it every time uh so it went from a five to a four for me and and that's that's where it stays and honestly like (laughs) there's there's about as much 80s stuff as there is 70s stuff so i could justify going lower than that i just love the 70s stuff so much yeah Uh, and we're returned to the 70s stuff so much that uh it's a four for me yeah i'm also going to go a four. I think we're going to do the Merle Haggard and do a straight up four for everybody. But I mean, in my case, like I said, ska, reggae, I mean, like rock steady reggae, not exactly 100% my cup of tea, Mm -hmm. but Jimmy Cliff, his stuff, while some albums were in one ear out the other for me, there were still good listens. And the first two, his first record and the soundtrack... I will definitely try to see if I can find a vinyl of either of those two because I really did like those records for what they were. Mm-hmm. The 80s, 
I didn't a hundred percent hate, but yeah, there was some straight garbage there. Uh, Rebirth. <laughs> there's select tracks off there. I'll return to. That I put on my playlist. I remember that. It's a decent record, but not yeah. essential. But overall, there's nothing really. I'd say horrendous about any of Jimmy Cliff's catalog. That that's like Jimmy Cliff's fault. It's if anything, it's just the '80s production and some of the songwriting choices of the 80s that were very questionable. But Jimmy Cliff still is just really solid overall. So, yeah, if I ever go back to Jimmy Cliff, uh, I'm more more likely going to enjoy what I'm hearing than go, God, not another Jimmy Cliff record. <laughs> K-Bart, thanks uh, for uh, posting into the stream. Uh, K-Bart left a little while ago, but I waited until the end because uh, K-Bart wanted to give his uh his slaps or his stars um and k bart says you guys can always join in on chat too with this um right he said leaving the stream but jimmy cliff is an amazing artist he had great songs and lyrics and and a phenomenal artist uh he will be in my regular rotation this artist is what uh this podcast is all about love jimmy cliff five fucking stars and yeah that's that is what this podcast is about is finding a new love for music and like we all enjoyed it pretty well, but you know, Kbart fourteen sixty nine really, really liked Jimmy Cliff like a lot, and you guys can get that same experience if you join this journey with us. It mm-hmm. was the most positive reaction on uh, the Discord that we've seen previously from anybody of people just being like, "This is great." Uh, Jimmy Cliff with three fours. Uh, Greg is right that that puts him right in there with Merle Haggard at twelve. Uh, Billy Holiday also scored a 12, but that was with a five, a four, and a three rather than three fours, um, for what it's worth. So uh, that's excellent, you know, an excellent score for Jimmy Cliff, and I think it's right where he belongs, and and uh, and is right right where we all landed on it. 12 is is wonderful. Um, Greg, it's your week to select. Yes, it is. Stars. And I have three selections um, that we can choose from. The first one, I'm not sure if it qualifies for Drew, but I figured I'd get out of the way. Missy Elliott. Yeah, I mean, I just know her hits. Same. I know, I know her hits. I've never listened to an album in full, but it just seems like for the time where she was really in the mainstream... She was really there. And I was like, okay, is there any like deeper cuts that are more interesting? Like, is she great as an MC? Was it more just the aesthetic and style well, of was her the, approach? It was the was team too, though, because it was her and the super super producer Timbaland uh making all the beats yeah. for her and shit. So that's what makes that journey really interesting. And I would be down yeah. with Plus it's yeah. a it's a lady. We haven't done a lady in a while, and it's the you know, the nineties, which is uh, we haven't been to the 90s in a bit, so... 90s and 2000s, definitely 2000s as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. she... Yeah, like, mid-2000s MTV era, she was unstoppable. Big, huge, like, until, mid-2000s, uh, really, yeah. Until she had, like, some health scares in the later 2000s, which caused her to sort of go on hiatus on her own stuff. She still did background stuff, I remember that, but... Yeah, I also, I, like, I also had a cat named Miss Elliot at one point, so... I'm okay with that. I'm okay with doing Missy Elliott, but let's hear the other ones. Yeah. 
Um, the second choice would actually be a uh, would actually be sort of like an indie folk artist um, who also changed genres a couple of times. I'm I'm aware by Drew's face you're a bit skeptical. Um, he goes by the moniker of Iron and Wine. Oh God! I have <laughs> every every person it. that I've disliked is really into Iron and Wine. <laughs> that, might why, that might be why it's cool to check out for what it's worth. <laughs> it's going to be another Oasis I have, thing, I feel like. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked for you if that might be the case. I, I only know one record by Iron and Wine in full um, being The Shepherd's Dog. I have it on vinyl, and I really enjoy it for sort of its blend of folk, a little bit of rock, psychedelic. I think it works really well, mm-hmm. but I don't really know much before or after the record. So, and I know that he's changed genres multiple times. Yeah. So it, it would be interesting to me just to see, like, okay, well, he's like an indie folk god, but he's gone on and done other genres too. So under his own moniker. So I figured it might must be my it, general disdain of like indie hipstery type people too. Like a lot of them. <laughs> I went to a liberal arts college for a bit. Really started to dislike that whole uh demographic a bit so that's gonna be a tough one maybe we could come back to that though in a few weeks the other the third (laughs) option (laughs) the third option was gonna be uh a power metal band um power metal uh kind of i can't remember what country they're from but they have sort of a darker songwriting i only know the last two records of their discography and I've enjoyed both of them, but they've been around since like mid '90s, I believe. In the band is called Evergrey. Uh, their last two records I thoroughly enjoyed, and they actually released their the latest one was this year, Escape the Phoenix. Um, and while I wouldn't put that in like my top fifty of the year, there were definitely some songs there that were just like, "Fuck yes, it's heavy." It's very atmospheric, and I think, Bryce, you would probably like the vocalist quite a bit, because it's not like the super... Yeah, it's definitely not that. Um, I don't know (laughs) about the earlier stuff, if he does any of that, but the the vocalist um, for those two records, um, he he actually has, like, quite a bit of, like, a soulful approach to the way that he does his vocals. It's not, like, the -the over-the-top, theatrical, like, almost theater kid approach that, like... 90% 90% of power metal bands tend to have that's like comically over the top, like a parody of themselves kind of approach. And I'm like, wow, this actually is respectable and <laughs> good at the same time. And instrumentally, I've really liked what they've done. They have like prog flourishes, but no song ever goes above like seven minutes. Most of them average between four and five. So it's not going to be, it's not like hyper technical like Gojira is or super fucking long and unpredictable like King Crimson. So I figured if we're going to do a power metal band with mildly proggy flourishes and the last two albums really don't even have elements of prog at all, I think this would be the one that you guys might be like, they're not a two. (laughs) But I also don't know any of their stuff before the last two records, so I could be completely wrong and be like, this is when they get good. I think Missy Elliott's the obvious choice here. Uh, <laughs> Missy Elliott. <laughs> yep. uh, also, now, because the uh, last rapper we did was Drake. So <laughs> it's been a while, and we could yeah. use a better... You, you could technically count Blowfly 
But uh <laughs> but yeah, Blowfly was the last rapper we did. I would prefer not to. <laughs> I mean anything like hey the politics, like that's just not like I don't count that. It's rap. You should count it. It's absolutely rap. <laughs> it, it was it's classic rap, yeah. Or like you know, like funk and whatever the fuck <laughs> Blowfly is. Drew, you got live announcements, man, huh? Uh yeah, this Saturday, um, I am playing a Flash Lounge. Um, it has just now reopened. I'm actually a little antsy. I'm trying to get over there to catch uh, open decks. It's like an open mic night for DJs. Uh, I want to see some of the fresh talent. Um, that's tonight, and then I'm going uh to be playing there on Saturday night with my very good friend DJ Meech, who uh, we haven't played any official shows since. Ever actually, um, we've been friends for a while, but we've never played the same stage together at an actual show, other than a quick little like pop up back to back for a few songs in Portsmouth a few weeks ago. But like, we haven't played a full show together, so this is really exciting. It's just us two, Flash Lounge. It's got a sliding cover for five to ten dollars. Um, and yeah, we hope to see you guys there if you want to come out and listen to some good house music if that's what you're into. Uh, you probably will not see Bryce there. No, I won't be there. No, uh, probably not. Probably not ever. Uh, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but that sounds great, man. That, uh, that's awesome that you two are finally getting an o- opportunity to uh, to get together and play uh, a show together. We might even kiss. Who knows? Who knows? Whoa. You're going to have to go to the show if you want to find yeah, out. Yeah, you'll have to find out. Go to the show. I want to share before we go on the show a story I learned this week about music that blew my mind because I am watching through the Rocky series uh, and I I learned uh, a story before we go that I want to share uh, that initially the theme for Rocky 3 was intended by the director Sylvester Stallone to be Queen's Another one bites the dust. Uh, it did not end up being the theme for Rocky Three because, for whatever reason, Queen did not wish to approve of that song being the theme for Rocky Three. So instead, he went to Survivor and said, "Hey, can you uh, write a song that sounds uh, like uh, Another One Bites the Dust, kinda?" And they wrote, "Eye of the Tiger." Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is, uh, I adore that song. I think that song's fucking unbelievable uh, as an '80s jam, and uh, and it blew my mind to think this song only exists uh, because Sylvester Stallone couldn't get Queen to sign off on being in the movie. And beyond that, if you go and listen to Survivor's uh, uh, "Eye of the Tiger." You can fucking hear from a beat perspective how that was supposed to be a a it's not a sound alike of another one bites the dust at all but from a beat feel perspective it's very much hey write something that's kind of like another boom, one bites boom, the dust right absolutely yeah that song's so right. badass we should cover that. Oh, wait, we did do a teaser of that song, actually. Yeah, we did. We used to do that one. Uh, didn't really work out that well. A bit of it. It was weird. It was weird. It didn't work that well. I love that song, though. Uh, and it, it really, it absolutely blew my mind that uh, something something like that song can come out of, like, yeah, I couldn't get the thing I wanted. So, like, I don't know, do something that's kind of like it. You know? <laughs> 
That's wild. Hey, thanks for joining us on this wonderful adventure. We'll be back next week with Volume 17, Missy Elliott. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Share it around. As we always say here, music is better with friends. But for now, and until then, your favorite band is out there. Go and find them. <laughs>